Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome, everybody. It is great to be here. And I tell you, what a treat to have with me in studio this young lady who's going to be with me today. But I want to just tell you that we are um, going to tackle health and wellness in this next few weeks. And it's just the beginning. You know, when you look at the journey that we're on, we are going to uh, assess and evaluate. And then, you know, in strategy, you got to look at where have we been? What if we just endured? What is what is the condition that we're now in? And then how do we know what's next? And when you look at health and wellness, you know, for me, I've been a bit naive. I've really looked at, you know, doctors as the the gurus and I comply because they know best because I didn't study that. So what do I know about medicines and uh, pharmacology and I don't know, blood pressure. I know nothing. And, uh, you know, God has a sense of humor. And years ago, I was given the opportunity to run a mobile medical nonprofit because I knew how to raise money and rally troops and do what nonprofits need, which is garner support and deliver results for people. And so I did that. And it put me on a path to understanding more about medicine that I never wanted to know. And in advance of COVID, we now have all learned far more than we ever thought we needed to about medicine and the delivery of, of healthcare and, frankly, the roadblocks in the way that are often, you know, an agenda. I'm just going to say it. And it's hard for us as consumers of medicine and healthcare to understand that maybe somebody does not have our best healthcare interests at heart. I mean, that's really a tough pill to swallow. So when you look at your own healthcare right now, it might be useful to take a, an out of box view of where are you? Where have you been? Where are you? And I'm on this journey with you. And I was just saying this to my guest. You know, whatever we're about to go through, I'm in it with you. I'm dealing with my own health care issues. So this is really an opportunity for us to take charge of our health. So I want to start by saying on May 13th, we are going to have an amazing event. And it's restoring your health in a toxic world. And we don't realize really how toxic we are as a body, as a physical being, but also we don't realize how toxic our environment is. And we really don't know how toxic our food is. I mean, that's something that I'm just getting smacked upside the head with every day right now. Because we want to believe that our food suppliers have our best health at, at, at heart, that they want to provide us healthy foods. No. They want to sell stuff. And when you talk about different things that go in foods to, to create maybe 
an insatiable appetite for that thing again it becomes a craving or whatever these types of things play on our on our mind and our body so we have to be smarter about what we eat when we eat and why we eat and i've been on this journey and i realized probably 5 years ago that i stress eat now i have a lot of stress i do we run businesses i've got a child I'm in the fight of our lives for this country. I live with stress every day. And I really have to fight that instinct or intuition or desire to eat. I don't smoke. That would have maybe solved my problem. I'd be skinny. But, you know, I'd have other issues, right? So I want to introduce to you today Dr. Stephanie Coxon. And welcome her to the Jen Charlton Show. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's great to have you here. And, you know, the fun thing here is that we are on a journey together because we met actually through Senator Mastriano. And I just want to do a shout out to Doug because he is really fabulous. And he has the heart of the people and the concerns of the people in his heart and in his mind and in his work. And and God bless him on his journey to, to do the important work he's doing up in Pennsylvania. And one of the things he's doing, and this kind of brought us together, is he's working on this Ohio-Pennsylvania toxicity issue from that Ohio burn. And, um, and I talked to him and I said, you know, I really think we need to help people right now. We need to give people answers, solutions. How do we solve this? And he said, talk to Stephanie. (laughs) So here we are. So welcome and good morning. Can you please tell people about your journey to becoming a doctor of naturopath? So I, um, goodness, back in 2010, my third child had a vaccine reaction. And it dawned on me at that point that this is what was happening, and I recognized that there needed to be something else in my life, that regular medicine wasn't working. I was in the middle of a Ph.D. program, um, actually in instructional leadership and management, and I thought that I was going to be running like a university or something like that. That was my background. I had been teaching at the collegiate level since I was 17 years old. And that was my plan is to stay in there. But needing to heal my children from what had happened, um, it kind of led me down this road of what's happening naturally. What can we do naturally? Because when you look at your pharmaceutical drugs, they're almost primarily based on botanicals right? So all of the concepts are actually coming from nature already. But when we synthesize things and we isolate them, they don't necessarily respond in the body the way that they're meant to. And so on a journey to find um, health for my children, it's really how I've gotten here. And I ended up partnering with an MD and we created an environment where her knowledge within the medical area, my knowledge within the herbs and vitamins is what has really got gotten me to this point of what can we do for people truly and help them heal. I love it. And, you know, what you're saying about the pharmaceutical, I think we don't realize that, like you said, you know, like Chinese medicine. I mean, that's, I used to know a gal in Chinatown in San Francisco, and I'll never forget we were in her kitchen and her husband, who was American, she was born Chinese, and they 
cooked up this concoction. She was really, he was sick, I think. She cooked up this concoction and made him drink it. And he was better the next day. It was crazy. But, you know, they know. They've been yes. doing Chinese medicine for thousands and thousands of years. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot for us to learn from lots of different dif- disciplines. And what we have to start doing is being something I've I've been really turned on to lately, like being discerning. I, I never understood what that meant to have discernment, but we need to apply it right now in medicine and health and in our own well-being. Thoughts? No, absolutely. And let me go back and say this. You, you said that our, our best, um, our best health care at heart, right? Our doctors, that's what our, our view is, our perception that our doctors really do. And I would say that is still true. The difference is the corporations that create the standard of care, that run the hospitals, that have created the healthcare world, do not. And so we get doctors who go into medicine to save people. They get to the end. They have gone through the propaganda course of this is what we do. Nothing else can work. You have a God complex, um, you know, mindset. You are the the final. Um, you are the final decision maker, right? Then we take that on because they're they're authority in our world. And then they get out there and they realize, wait a second, I'm just a technician prescribing medication. But how do I get out of that? They don't really have a way. Now you're strapped with at least a quarter of a million, half a million dollars sometimes in um, uh, school fees, right? You are locked in because you can't compete against the hospital. You know, in some states, it's very difficult to set up a surgical center outside of a hospital setting. So you're locked in to the concept of I have to work for someone. They're told that the malpractice insurance is so high that they can't afford it on their own. And so they get trapped. And I think that a lot of them just lose um, lose hope. And then I think you have the other aspect at which... They don't have the time to actually research and look into it. They're not taught to research. Their time is very, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here. Oh, here's the documentation. They're, they are just flooded with so much. So I don't think it's not, I don't believe that our doctors don't have our best interest at heart. I think they're trapped in a system and they don't know how to escape. I love that you, that you uh, really brought that reality. I think I think you're right. And when you look at what's going on right now with doctors who are afraid of medical boards shutting their license down, that speaks to this overarching power and control over highly qualified and highly intelligent people who have managed to survive undergrad, med school and specialties if they're in that. They've spent years and years and years and yet they are succumbed to the power and control of medical boards, CDCs, hospital protocols from CDC and the like, as we saw in COVID. And then, by the way, there's a lot of money at stake. And we've covered that here on this show. So to summarize it as they're caught in a system is so profound. And when you look at where we are now, I think that it hopefully more doctors, many of whom just flat out retired, they said, I'm not. I don't see another alternative. They didn't see a way to shift to what you do. They just saw themselves as hopelessly stuck. And the best the best out was an exit plan that called retirement. Right. Well, and not only that, but they're being doxxed, right? If they do speak out, 
they are made to look like quacks. We've seen that with researchers. We've seen that with, um, I mean, look at Dr. Peter Mercola. That's what they, that's what they do. They make you out to seem like you're a quack. The doctor who... And they, let's say this, is in compl- uh, uh, complicit with the media. The media turns on these people and becomes the the narrative tool for taking down a reputation of a highly qualified individual who does not comport their narrative. Correct. And as a matter of fact, you know, historically, the doctor who said, look, we should all be washing hands. We're killing mothers during childbirth, spreading the bacteria. And he said, we've got to wash our hands. We've got to wash the tools. He was actually thrown into an insane asylum. Think about that for a second. Wow. Yeah, that is stunning. So so let's so let's uh, take a, a minute and look at where we are in terms of this event. So on May 13th, everybody, we're going to do an event called Restoring Health in a Toxic World, where we're bringing together different disciplines, different doctors, different vendors. And the idea is to, in one place and in one space, empower you with your health. Now, one of the caveats to this is that a lot of people are dealing with either a toxicity from the Ohio burn, and we're doing it in Gettysburg at the Eisenhower Hotel because I really wanted to be near the people who were dealing with this issue. And, um, you know, so we're trying to, to, to go to where we're accessible. So, so we have the toxicity burn. We have COVID. Now, I've had COVID, and it affected my lungs. Um, I have asthma anyway. It probably got a little bit worse. The other thing we're dealing with is some people took the jab, the poke, the shots supposedly for COVID. And in those shots, there were things like spike proteins and mRNA. And these things have done harm to some people. And I know of some people who have specifically had harm. Um, and we're going to have some people share some of their stories. So this is not hypothetical. It's not crazy talk. It's not conspiracy theory. It actually is reality and truth. And we have to start to confront that. And I'm more than willing. I, I could care less what people think about me at this point in my life. I'm too old to care. So, so you know, we have to, you know, if they attack me for doing this event, so be it. Uh But we have to look at the people who have gone through this. So I know of one woman who's had inflammation in all of her joints. She's now unable to work out regularly without severe pain afterward. Um, uh, Apparently that, according to a doctor friend of mine who's going to be participating in this this health conference, um, that's a pretty common thing. Uh, And maybe you've seen that. Have any comments about that? No, that's actually one of the big things that we are seeing with people walking into our clinic is that there's just a huge increase in inflammatory conditions overall. And I would say probably one of the number one uh, issues that we're seeing are, are uh, prion diseases, you know, that are... What's that? So um, basically anything um, like Alzheimer's, dementia, short-term memory loss, just a lot of people struggling. Brain fog. Yes, yes. And it just seems to be everywhere right now. We used to call it mommy brain, right? You know, preggy, right. preggy brain. I've got preggy brain right now, but it seems to be uh, very similar, kind of like lack of focus and so forth. What What do you? If somebody has that, let's jump ahead for a second. What do we say to them? What do you do to help them? 
Well, it's really about going after brain inflammation, right? So it's what are our inflammatories that are going to hit hit that system. There are so many different options. It really depends on what people's budgets are, you know, how much they're willing to do. There, There's, you know, there's not one solution for every person. I think that's where naturopathy and medicine kind of uh, separate. There's no standard of care because all of us are designed uh, differently. We have different needs, our different organs are, you know, need support. And so you look at the person as a whole, you're not separating something. You say, okay, why is this, why is this happening? You're getting to the root of something and you're supporting each of those systems to put the body back into something called homeostasis. So when your body is in homeostasis, it begins to repair itself because it's it's functioning where it should be. God designed us, you know, to re- be able to repair. It's, it's no accident that when your inflammatory levels go up, your cholesterol starts going up. This is this by design. God's trying, you know, our bodies are trying to correct whatever's going off. And so you have to correct whatever is going off to get your body back to where it's supposed to be. So there's not one answer. I mean, I can give you very simple things. Um, You know, for example, if I had to choose one thing to eat every single day out of my yard, super cheap, it's going to be the dandelion that that wow, that's weed. a shocker. Yeah, that weed is amazing. Stop killing them. Put them in your salads. Make some oils, tinctures. Um, you know, do everything you can. You can eat it from the root to the flower. And it what's has, so good about it? What does it have? What well, are the properties? It stops the binding capacity of the spike protein. First of all, yes, I love that look on your face. Wow. Yes. Um, it is wonderful for your liver. It helps your body to stay in more of a detox state. And so if I had to give you one cheap, super, you know, amazing thing to do, that's going to be it. Start start eating those dandelions and stop trying to kill them. Stop using glyphosate in your yards. Allow those beautiful things to grow because they are your best friend. Wow. My yard guy's going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I just saved myself a ton of money. All right. So... Let's, gosh, there's so much there. When you look at the food supply, and I actually, here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. We're going to come right back for a few minutes, and then uh, we have Stephanie with us for the hour. So everybody, think about your yard. Think about your food. Think about the food supply, because we're going to talk about that when we get back. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Dr. Stephanie Coxon, who is a doctor of naturopath from the Mechanicsburg, Harrisburg area. And it's, you know, fascinating to talk about dandelions, and I want to kind of roll it out to the food supply, because right now I'm hearing information that our food supply is compromised, but I suspect you would say it has been for a while. Yes, I it has been. I'd like say at least since the eighties, um, if not before. Wow. I don't think you know, most of us are just going through life thinking that these foods are foods. But really what we are eating are chemical concoctions. They're not foods. Even your present day foods, when you see that ES one oh four or whatever it is, that's an insect. When you see um a KC something, that's a kidney cell line, um, which you can, well, that's actually found in some of your vaccines. Um, there is, but there is a 
aborted fetal, people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but if you look into a chemical company called, I believe it's called Synetrix, they actually use um, aborted fetal cell tissue for flavor enhancement. So look into that company and who's using that company. We are literally just getting um, a lot of different concoctions. Your raspberry flavoring typically comes from beaver glands, not raspberries. I'm sorry, from beaver what? Glands. Ay. What I want to know is who's the first person to discover that. <laughs> but that is and your. You said, wow, this isn't so bad. Right. But that's your natural flavor right there. Oh, my goodness. That's you know, disgusting. You, you see some of the same stuff that's used in tar in your cereals. It, like, this is just not food that we're eating. And, so, and your organs can't process it, I'm sure, over time. Right. It just accumulates. Let me, let me just say, I had this epiphany about a couple months ago. FDA. You just think it just rolls off your tongue. FDA, FDA. But when you really think about it, based on what we've been through in the last three years, food and drug administration, they are combined. They're one thing. You would think that food is over here and drugs is over here. No, they are combined. Why is the FDA, you know, they're con- they're tolerating tar in our and beaver glands in our. I don't understand how right. the FDA is looking out for me. This is why it took me so long to get here. It's because I'm like, that would never happen, you know. But let's just take milk, for example, okay? I love I love that most people have no idea that pasteurized milk actually has higher rates of contamination than raw milk. So wow. if you go and you research the Weston A. Price Foundation, there's a wonderful woman who's so knowledgeable, far more knowledgeable than I am, Sally Fallon, who really researched the stuff and lays out all the numbers for this. So when we pasteurize milk, we're heating up that process. We're getting rid of the minerals and the enzymes that actually help our body to break it down. So when a person, or if you were to give the milk that we typically drink to a calf, it actually kills the calf. But that's the milk that we are drinking. So we have farms. Um, if you look at Amos Miller in Lancaster, he was actually just dragged before court because he was trying to sell natural meats and natural, you know, milk and that sort of thing. And they're trying to shut him down. We have to ask, why is that happening? Because most He's a threat to them. He's a threat to them because your food's not going to be toxic then. Our meats are being sprayed down for them to enter into the grocery store. Okay, so wait, i got to back up. So you just blew my mind again. So non-pasteurized. Pasteurized, I think, is more about preservation of the product than it is the quality of the product and the safety of it. Is that accurate? Yes. It It makes it last longer. It does make it last longer. Ultra pasteurized. Raw milk actually doesn't go bad. It goes bitter or sour. It it goes sour. It doesn't actually um, go bad as we typically would think. So we have been trained to think um, completely differently or think against health. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break for news and weather, and we're going to come back and talk about what's really going on with food and how do we rein this back in and take control of our health. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sweeties on the Creek, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I have with me today Dr. Stephanie Cox in an absolutely fascinating conversation. Let's go back to what we're talking about here in health and wellness and you had something you wanted to talk about, about sugar. Tell us about sugar, because I love sugar. Our brains are addicted to sugar. 
So it was in the early 2000s. I don't have the references um, still on hand, but I remember when it came out that they got permission to put more sugar in your milk. And I don't know that it's actually labeled. I don't, I think that they do not have to label it, but it's been so long since I've bought, you know, traditional milk. I, I can't recall at this point, but at some point I want you to look at the label of your milk because there's stuff in there that you probably don't really know what it is. So you have a, a couple things going a, there's more sugar because it becomes more addictive. Um, it lights up a little section of our brain, just like cocaine would. And so you're going to crave it more. The other thing is there's added vitamins in that milk. For what reason? I, I'm really not sure. Probably because everything left whenever they pasteurized it. But here's the problem. About 40% of our population has a gene mutation called MTHFR that you're not able to process certain vitamins correctly. You're not able to break them down. And so when you're getting these fortified foods, it's actually causing damage, specifically nerve damage to those people. That's a huge portion of our population, and almost everything we eat is fortified food. So wait, how many have this gene mutation? Last I read, it was about 40%. That's a significant number. It is. Yeah, it's not. And you can have, I think there's two different ones. You can have one, the other, or you can have both. These are typically the kids that um, do become vaccine injured because they're not able, they're not good detoxers in general. Um, And I would like to point out, you know, people love the word anti-vaxxer. I'm a former vaxxer. I was all in on vaccinations. I had nothing against vaccinations. My grandmother sat on the board for North Carolina to get kids vaccinated. It's all I heard about through my life. I was, you know, fully vaccinated. My sister was fully vaccinated. My, you know, first couple children were fully vaccinated. But I think they changed the vaccine somewhere. It it has changed over the years. But, you know, so it's the same for these kids, whether it's vaccines or foods. Their bodies can't detox the stuff that they're using in either one. And to go, it's like poison to them. It is. It's like poison to them because their bodies just don't work like everybody else's. But to go further down the food, um, the food issue, I, I want you to under, I want people to understand that they, the big um, food industry, does not care about you. I would like to read a paragraph. It's a little bit long, but I don't want to be accused of saying anything out of context. So I'm going to give it to you in its entirety. This is from the Cattlemen's Association. And I want you guys to understand what it is. And so it's a little bit long, but bear with me. I just don't want any accusations. So this was um, delivered to state executives, and it says, Good afternoon. I know many of you are receiving calls related to the ongoing mRNA vaccine topic that is making the rounds in social media. We have been monitoring the issue for some time, and I wanted to share some recent data with you. At present, it remains our recommendation that you not engage with this topic on social media. At present, this conversation is confined in the far-right alternative media landscape and is being driven by COVID deniers and anti-vaccine advocates. As you may know, Glenn Beck picked up this story today and has caused an uptick in the media monitor in the media monitor this morning and we are watching in real time to ensure this doesn't cross over into co- traditional consumer media. At present at present is not on the radar of the general public. If the story shifts towards the general consumer space, we are prepared to respond accordingly. Who did who did this communication go out to? 
uh, it went out to state executives. I can't give you all the information. Got that. Um, but this is this is who it went out to. From the Cattlemen's Association. From the Cattlemen's Association. And what are they hoping to accomplish by sending out this communique? They do not want consumers aware that they are going to be vaccinating using the mRNA technology. Okay, okay, hold on. You just opened up a, a, a canyon. <laughs> so, so if somebody ingests the mRNA, and like myself, I'm unvaccinated and proud to be so. If someone like me ingests it, do I now get the effects of having been vaccinated in my body? I don't think anyone knows that question, or maybe they do, and that's why they want to use it. What we, but they're going to test us and see. Right. Um, there, are, there have been a couple of microscopists who have discovered, and I've not verified this information, so take it with a grain of salt, but have discovered that something in the blood after the red blood cells die continues to live and grow. All right, say that again, because I'm not getting what the significance. So of a that microscopist is. can take. What's a microscopist? So they look at the they look at um, your blood under the microscope. Okay. And typically, when you take um, you take a, a drop of someone's blood, you throw it under the microscope. The, there's a natural progression because it's not in your body, so those red blood cells are going to die after so long. The the more rapid the rate of the cell death, the quicker someone is aging. Okay, so you might have um, those red those those red blood cells live three hours, four hours, twelve hours. You know, there's going to be a variation. But after they die off, usually there's no movement on that slide. However, there's been a couple microscopists, and you can see them on Rumble, that have seen movement within that slide after the red blood cells have died. What does that indicate? That indicates that something is continuing to live that shouldn't be there. What does that mean in the big scheme? I don't know yet. Is this only for people who've been vaccinated? I believe that the one person indicated that even some of the unvaccinated are now showing it. So we're they're getting it in us one way or the other. It's just stunning. Uh, wow. So I think what... There's there's so much here, uh, and that's why we're we're doing the show today, everybody, to, to open you up to a conversation and a journey that we're getting ready to go on. That is about restoring our health. That will be a process because it took time to get here into this destructive place that we now are in our food supply, in our milk, in our uh, medicines. And so forth. And, you know, there is an accountability here that's woefully lacking in the FDA, in the politicians who are supposed to be overseeing the FDA. I mean, the FDA can't be some rogue operation that does whatever the hell they want, like the CDC, but apparently they are. Because We hire leadership to be legislators in Washington to ensure that these agencies are doing what's in our best interest. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. So if they indeed are not overseeing these agencies and these agencies are off in left field doing whatever the hell they want 
for whatever reasons, because believe me, one thing I know about human beings is there's always personal gain. There's always personal gain. So they're getting something out of this. And Dr. Fauci got a whole bunch, including names on patents and and money that no other government people are receiving. I mean, this guy gets so much money more than most in government. So how on earth are we, did we get here? That's a whole nother show. And and maybe I'll bring uh, Senator Mastriano on with us to discuss this, you know, rogue operations in government. But when we get, and we've talked about constitutionality and things, when we get to the point where we are so off the rails, which is where we are right now, where government is not serving the people, it's attacking them. When government is not overseeing the uh, the uh, the government agencies, they're telling us what to do. We have truly lost control of this thing, and we have the right to redo it. And we really do, because th- these people work for us, and they need to be reminded that they work for us. We're not their minions. I know they think that we are, but they got it all screwed up. So, but that being said. When you go back to this food supply, I'm now hearing that actually the mRNA, and I'm going to verify this, you guys, listeners, I'm looking into it. There's more to get, okay? So I'm not promising that this is true. I'm hearing that it might be true, and I want you to be aware that we're looking into it, okay? And anybody listening who has information about the possibility that they've been putting mRNA in pork since 2018 if you know this to be true or if you know that they are starting to put it in beef and you're listening i want you to reach out to me at jennifer at charltoncommunications.com jennifer at charltoncommunications.com now i will tell you i've reached out to restaurant owners we will hear me government officials we will get to the bottom of this we will The restaurant owners are looking into it for me. I know people. We are looking into whether or not the food is contaminated with mRNA. And if they're trying to do it, I know they're trying to do it in Pennsylvania, and Senator Mastriano is leading the charge with many people. We will be discussing this on May 13th at the Eisenhower Hotel. Join us for breakfast at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. program until 2 p.m. We will be discussing what's going on up there, but they are fighting the Cattlemen's Association and the like from putting mRNA vaccinated, untested garbage in the beef. And God bless them for fighting that fight. And it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be. And in Pennsylvania, we have a handful of amazing legislators who are, you know, really trying to work together and handle some of this stuff. But it is just coming at everyone in every single direction. And it it is tough. And I, I want to go back to that constitutional idea. Our Constitution was set up to protect us. That's why we have a republic, right, is to protect us. That's it. They owe us nothing else. We should ask nothing more of them. But where has that happened? When we look at the FDA, when we look at the CDC, are they protecting us? In every, every sense of the word, no, they haven't. So what are their purposes? Why are they still with us? Money, power, and control. That's exactly right. And they're gaining more and more. 
When you look at the chemicals that are used in the marketplace, the chemicals, you know, your Clorox bleach or, you know, whatever you're using to clean, you know, those things aren't tested for safety until there's an issue. That's why it took so long to get talc powder um, recognized as having a cancer risk is because, you know, we everyone used it forever on their, their little infant babies, right? But in fact, I was told back in the 1990s not to use it on my on my oldest son from from my mother who was an RN. She's like, there's a, there's a cancer risk with it. Now, how did my mother know that? But the general population did not know that, right? Why are we not yeah, being they're protected? Hiding it. They're, they're hiding it. They're hiding it. And you know what? Listen, I had a hospitalist, and I won't say who it is yet but this information is going to come out there, there i have information that i've been sitting on um and and in, and in all fairness in some ways it's to respect and protect this individual because i actually like the person but this individual said we're doing the cdc protocol for remdesivir and we we like remdesivir now if anybody knows anything about what's gone on in the last several years, you need to know one thing. Remdesivir kills people. It shuts down the kidneys. It puts people in what's known as renal failure. And it may work occasionally, but it's got a death rate of like 50%. I mean, if I did 50% poorly at whatever I'm doing, I would be fired or out of business. So 50% is in no way an acceptable return rate on anybody's investment. Can we back that up for just a second? Yeah. 50% death rate. That does not mean that your kidneys were not impacted and that you're still moving closer to death because the remdesivir. So what is the actual rate of effect? I would say it's it's probably much more. Because, like 80%. Because you're going to be going into kidney failure. You eventually. Know, eventually, probably from the remdesivir. Now, can I say that for certain? No. There's always going to be people. It's that smoker who's 99 years old whom it just doesn't <laughs> impact, right? Lifestyle matters, and everybody's lifestyle is different, so you react differently to these different conditions. Correct. And the cleaner you can create your environment, the better you can handle the toxins that are out of your control because there's no way to control every single toxin. You've got to live life. But if you had the information to live healthier where you did have control, imagine the impact it could have on your body. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we've just got a few more minutes and we're not going to take this next break. So we have this time with you, Stephanie, and I really appreciate you coming down from Pennsylvania. And I love our partnership and putting this event together. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. When you look at um, giving people hope, because we've talked a lot about the conditions that seem a bit out of our control. I mean, if you want to buy milk, where do you buy non-pasteurized healthy milk? Where do you buy that? You need to find local farmers. I love the Amish community, the Mennonite community. You know, talk to them. They are going to have an idea of where you can get it. But it's really about going local. Stop buying the big brands, the big, you know, anything that's not local, you probably do not want to have. And have conversations with these people. Know where they stand. Are they, are, do they think along the same lines that you do? What's really interesting to me 
is that a lot of people used to look at me as a leftist because I was so nat. You know, I tried to do as much as I could naturally. Yeah, we we do have this like judge a book by its cover. Somebody like you would be a fruits and nuts kind of liberal, right? Right. And so I've never fallen completely within like a single line. Like you know, the Republicans thought I was a Democrat. The Democrats thought I was Republican. You know, none of it made sense to anybody. But what it's really about for me is what is the truth, right? So I don't care what the label is. I want to know what the truth is. And I can tell you that, you know, I've hit my my mid-40s and health-wise, I'm doing really good. And I come from a family that has a ton of serious autoimmune conditions, a, a ton of cancers. Um, I mean, I can look at my cousins around the same age, my sister, a couple aunts, we're talking MS, lupus, um, a couple different types of, of cancers. So something I'm doing is working. In other words, maybe not triggering them like others would be triggered. Keep those light switches off. Interesting. I want to talk a little bit uh, about hormone replacement, like these hormones that they're putting in milks and foods. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. You know, again, they love to say that it's not impacting people. But in fact, you know, when we look at the development of our, like, look at our young girls. They are getting their menstruation cycles earlier. They're developing sooner. And so there's clearly something happening to our youth. And I don't believe it's coincidence. You know, I think we are getting some hormones and stuff like that that are triggering things. And let me be very clear. When you look at hormone replacement therapy, um, I believe, and don't quote me on this because I don't have the research study in front of me, I believe there's a 30% increase um, in cancer risk, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't I, I don't know if that's simply if you're using the the medications or injections or or that's through the foods you know i don't know that anyone has studied it of what do the the hormones within the foods do in terms of a cancer risk i've not seen that but you know if it's impacting our our hormones which i do believe it is um certainly there's some sort of risk that could have that association again i don't know but it's something we need to think about and i would rather err on the side of caution then not. You'd want to have to investigate as in, again, back to the government and the FDA and all these people who say that they care. They'd have to be interested in knowing. Right. They're right. And, and they're, they're not. They're they, not. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. So they don't want to know. Organic. Let's talk about organic in these last. Um, actually, you know what we're going to do, guys? We're coming up on top of the show. We're going to have Stephanie back. But, you know, when when you look at organic, one of the things I'm going to start doing is eating more organic. I'm going to just start there. So this has been an education for me. Everybody, I want you to join us May 13th. You'll go onto my Facebook page for the Jen Charlton Show. We'll have the event posted there. We're on Eventbrite. You buy your ticket. It's only 50 bucks right now. It will be going up as we get closer to the event. So now's the time to buy your tickets. We do have openings for a couple of vendors if anybody has product or services that's appropriate for what we're talking about here. All right. And then Stephanie Cox, and thank you for being here. It's been great. We will have fun again. You guys, we will talk further about this at the event, May 13th, Eisenhower Hotel, Gettysburg. Senator Doug Mastriano is our keynote speaker. You want to come up and hear what's going on. Have a great week.